0: So last week we left off in Romans. Romans 3. Good morning, come in. Romans 3, and we did only four verses or so 21 to 24. But those verses. They are so important to our faith. So we're going to start reading in 21, just to pick it up, and then we're going to continue. Uh, Rose, would you mind reading 21 to 24, just to get it started? Oh, sorry. we are reading from Romans? Romans 3? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, th- th- those papers are from oh. last week, I think. Thank you! So just for overview, where are we? We are in Romans, and Romans 1 and Romans 2 describe the problems that we have. And so it's God is holy, we are not, and so in Romans 1 it says that the wrath of God, the anger of God is appearing. That's, that's bad news. Uh, anger doesn't even do justice to what, how upset God is with his creation. And then it says, those are Gentiles, so those everybody. And then it looks at the Jews, and even the Jews are not righteous. And so then it concludes, nobody is righteous. Nobody has the right-standing, righteous, right-standing before God and in verse 21 it says but now now when I took language in school I learned that those words are very important therefore but uh, however those are words that signal there's there's a before and there's something coming but now so what was that was bad news But now, well, it can be two ways. Either it can be worse news, like it was bad news, and now it's getting worse, which is hard to imagine, or maybe it's getting better. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, he's going to work that out later on. So we're going to put a pause on that, but he's going to work that out in chapter 4 and chapter 5, how the law is there. And then verse 23, I really like your translation, Rose, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are being justified by grace. So that's 24. So all have sinned, bad news. 24, all have been justified by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Now, it was a bit of an awkward stop where we left off because it was in the middle of the sentence, and I thank you very much for your kindness not to give me any grief about it, because we stopped in the middle of the sentence there, although Paul's sentences are really long, so that's also work. So, before we continue... Is it any questions about these, these verses or any questions where we have left off? Well, if anything comes to mind, please let me know. Let's start in verse 25. 25 again is the middle of the sentence. Alice, would you read 25?
1: Because in his
0: forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand on the planet. Oh. Thank you. That's a lot of words. And your translations may differ. Who has a different translation? Or who has a different verse than what Alice read there?
2: He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his
0: sins committed on So I've, I've depending on the translation that you read the Bible version you have a slightly different yeah, mine version.
1: Is propitiation.
0: Propitiation, well that is an old English word there. Who, who else has propitiation? Mine has. It's the NASB. When was the last time that you used the word propitiation in a sentence? (laughs) We're going to talk about that. So what is being displayed? Or who is being displayed in the beginning of the sentence? We're going to break it up. Whom God displayed publicly. What is being displayed publicly? His son, the Lord Jesus. So it grabs back of the previous verse. The redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That's where 24 ends. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Some of your translations might have mercy seat. Some of your translations might have a means of salvation. Or means of what what did yours have? Sorry, Alice, what did yours have? Uh, displayed publicly as a means, the beginning of twenty-five.
2: As a
1: sacrifice,
0: of sacrifice of atonement. Thank you. So, what is that? What is what is a propitiation? Because that's the that's the that's the, that's the literal translation of the of the Greek. What is that? It is a place, thank you, it is a place to pay for our sins, it's a place where we can go to. It's not a literal place, but it is a place. Do you remember in the, when the old Israelites, when they walk, walked through the desert, what were they carrying with them? The ark? the ark. And around the Ark was a big tent in the desert. They had a portable church in the desert. Wasn't that amazing? So they had the ark. What did the ark look like? There were angels on it? What was the ark made of? It was covered in gold. It was a small box. It was a wooden box. It was covered in gold with two angels over it. And what happened there? Why was that so special? That ark. It, it had the covenant. It had the old law in it. And then once a year, who remembers that? This is this is this is this is your Sunday school. Once a year, what happened? It was a very special day. Sorry. The day, of Atonement. day of Atonement. Very good. Oh, you're you're good. We're gonna we're gonna have a short lesson today. So the Day of Atonement. What happened on the Day of Atonement? There you was the day when the, the high priest came into the holiest of Holies, and it was just him and the ark. Why was it important? Why, what was the significance of that? What was the importance of that event? It was already sad. Yeah. To ask for God, yeah. yeah. So that entire day was a day for the people of Israel. It was a very sad day. It was not a holiday. It was a very sad day. A very sad day where God has instituted a way to get forgiveness for sins. Now, how did the high priest do that? By the way, there was, was an easier answer. Why do we do this? Because God said we should do it. So it was in the law, in the law, it was said that God said one day a year you should do it. It's also an answer. It's absolutely correct. What did the high priest bring with him? without Uh That was before. Yeah, so he, he sacrificed. There was a couple of sacrifices, and then he brought with him blood. Blood in the holiest of holiest. Just him. By the way, was he wearing his, his, his beautiful robe? Was he wearing that? No. It was the one day. was the one day that he just wore very simple white. Nothing else. So special, eh? If we look at television and we see, like, uh, the royalty, we see a coronation, everything is beautiful. Beautiful clothes, beautiful robes, special day. If we see a wedding, we see beautiful clothes. Everybody's dressed up. This particular special day, no special clothes. As simple as possible. He was the high priest. He came without any special clothes. He brought with him blood. What did he do with the blood? Yeah. He put some of the blood on that beautiful golden box. That was the way atonement was achieved. Now, the lid of that box, the cover, that is, can also be tra- translated as what Alice has. The angels? No, in, in your translation. In, in Romans, what, did you, what, what 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 was the word that you had in Romans 3? For propitiation. Sacrifice of atonement. Sacrifice of atonement. So that lid that was uh, there where the high priest sprinkled the blood on can also be translated as the mercy seat. And so that is what's being translated here as propitiation. So when you read this word, you can think about that very special day where the entire people of Israel thought about their sins. And when they came in with the blood. Yeah? Was, was this the day too that the bells were on his uh, uh, clothes and he
2: had a rope around his ankle in case God didn't accept the sacrifice?
0: Or? Yeah, so that's not in the Bible. Oh. But yeah. it's in the tradition. Right. And uh, you have to remember God is holy. And so nobody, then the high priest, could enter the holiest of holiest. And so there was the idea, what happens if the high priest drops dead? For example, because he has done something wrong that makes him not uh, acceptable? There were there were there were rituals, there were sacrifices. Yeah. yeah, To get ready. To present yourself for God. Now if you think about it, that's amazing because when we come to church, how do we come to church? Hopefully you take a shower, but that's about it, eh? We don't have to do sacrifices at the at the at the entrance. We don't have to do confession with somebody in church. Are you, is your heart pure and clean to come in? It's actually amazing that we can just come and worship. there. Yeah. And that was the idea that if you uh, come as, as yourself, you're not acceptable to God. As a sinner, you're not acceptable to, for God to worship God. So something has to be done with that sin. And you can look at that entire, all those rituals, all those sacrifices, all those rules, all those laws, and you can think to yourself, wow, why does it have to be so complicated? Well, it's just a picture that God is holy. It's just a picture how deep our sin is. And when we, can, when we read this word here in Romans, it's so easy for us to brush over. Oh, we were sinners and now God has forgiven us. And then we forget how holy God is and how deeply deprived we as sinners were. So, God displayed publicly as a propitiation, as a mercy seat. Publicly. Have you notice that word? Everybody can see it. In the old tent, could everybody see the Ark? Oh, don't you dare. Nobody saw the Ark. It was always covered. And nobody touched the Ark, except for the priests with trembling. And we know the stories of people who touched the Ark out of place. What happened? They died. Wow. That's That's serious business. Whom God displayed publicly as a mercy seat in his blood through faith. Again, we have blood. In the Old Testament, we have blood, the blood of the sacrifices. In the New Testament, we have blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, we all know people who uh, cannot stand or stomach the idea of blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know the hilarious stories of the people who see blood and then they faint. Uh, there. And that is funny. Unless you're the one who faints, then it's not so funny. Mm-hmm. But um, we, have, we don't like this idea of blood uh, very much. But it's, it's, it's important. It's the only ways... It's the only means that can clean up and cover sins. And so God has provided the means here. He provided the means in the Old Testament. He provides a means here. And the means is the Lord Jesus, Christ Jesus, as a, as a, as a means of salvation, a means of sacrifice in his blood through faith. Again, faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Now, it's a complicated sentence again, but it's good to keep in mind, Paul is talking about now, and Paul is talking about the past. Now, God has publicly displayed... Uh, The Lord Jesus as a means of salvation. And now runs to now. So now is when Paul writes it. And then it runs for 2,000 years after that. Now is the means of salvation that God has displayed. If you want to be saved, look at the Lord Jesus. It's him who God is showing But there is a past, and the past is he passed over the sins previously committed. So, now is when the Lord Jesus is publicly displayed, and in the past, that is where those sins have been committed. How did God deal with those sins in the past? How did God deal with those sins? What does it say in the text? He left them unpunished. Or in your translation might have something else. He passed over. Passed over is not as strong as ignore. But because God cannot ignore sins. But he left them unpunished. And so if you read Romans from 1 all the way through here, there is a tension. Because in Romans 1 it says, for the wrath of God is, uh, let me quote it right, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, so it is already there, it is lingering, the wrath of God is coming. And then there are sins that have been committed in the past. And so, God is not, has not done justice or has not judged those sins already. They're there. They have been committed. God cleansed over those sins. He passed over them unpunished. But it's not to say He's going to stay that forever. He's going to deal with those sins one way or another. Now, you might say, Nate, we just talked about uh, sacrifices, sacrifices of blood. What was that? Could they, could they not cover up the sins? Now we have to go to Hebrews. For the blood of lambs and goats cannot atone for sins. So it was a temporary measure. It was a temporary measure. It didn't, it didn't deal with it at all. But when the Lord Jesus came, he dealt with that at all. He passed over the sins Previously, previously committed. Now I'm going to jump back. This was to demonstrate his righteousness. How does... So righteousness, that was that word. So righteous is a right standing. And then righteousness is the way to get right standing. So right standing is, I'm, I'm right standing to Canada. By the way, this week we got news that our permanent residencies have been approved, so we're now, um, we talked last week about that. Canada wants you to be in right standing with any country that you came from. So when you come to Canada, you need to have police certificates that you do any crimes. Are you in a right standing with any of the countries? And I was thinking about that because we had to, we were in the process of doing all that. And apparently we are in right standing. As in, yeah as far as they know. So, so righteous.
2: something your papers and you decide to commit crime after
0: That would be bad. But I'm pretty sure that there's a provision there that they can say, well, we can, uh, yeah, we, 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 don't, we don't like this. Uh, this was to demonstrate His righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. So how is God righteous in here? It's to demonstrate His righteousness. What is being demonstrated? What is being shown here?
2: That He is a good God, but He doesn't let sin go unpunished. He still requires that someone takes the whole for
0: Exactly. So in before, exactly right, so before the Lord Jesus came, all those sins were committed. And you could ask yourself the question, how is God righteous? Why doesn't God do anything with that? You still hear that. Whenever people talk to you that, that have trouble with the gospel, they would say, look at the evil that is happening in the world. Not the suffering, but the evil. Like there's really... Bad things happening. How can God be righteous? He's patience. He, yeah, yeah. He has to balance that with his holiness. Yeah. So yeah. time, me visualize a is coming.
1: Exactly. not mention the word Jehovah because yeah. it was that you know you say something, you do something wrong, you punish,
0: you dead, mm-hmm. so I think at the time that's how God dealt with it until oh. the Messiah. So before there is part of God's but don't it is part of God's character? As is his, as is his holiness. Yeah. So the fact that God doesn't deal right now with evil does not mean that he is not holy and does not mean that he's not righteous, but he's patient. And we, 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 we sometimes have a different uh, timeline than God has. Eh? We say, well, God, why don't you do something about this? This is so bad. You can do it. Why don't you do something about it? So There's, an, there's another answer. Would you mind reading uh, chapter 2, verse 4? thank you or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance so patience is one of God's virtues but the fact that God is not judging right now is time Now what can we do with that time it's a kindness of God that he gives us time every day that you breathe You can still repent. That is the kindness of God. You can still turn away. You can still come to the Lord Jesus there. Verse 26. So this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he will be just and the justifier of the one who is faith in Jesus. And so again, the timeline might help here. So when Paul says now, it's when Paul is writing, but it's also when we're reading. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird now. That's okay. But he talks about now, when Christ is being displayed, and before, when Christ was not displayed and sins were committed. So now God has demonstrated that he is righteous. He's shown it. And it's public. So if people ask you, how do I know that God is righteous? Which is a question nobody asks. We typically ask, how do I know that God is good? Which is a different question. But how do I know that God is righteous? That God is in right standing? Well, with these verses, you can say, look at the Lord Jesus. The fact that God gave the Lord Jesus to make people righteous, to deal with sin, is evidence that God is righteous. So, so and that he's the one, that he's not only righteous, but that he's also the one that is able to make others righteous. So, if the second question is, how can I become righteous? You say, well, God can make you righteous because he is able to do of his righteousness at the present time. He's able to make people in right standing so that he would be just and the justifier. God is the one that sets the rules and God is the one who punishes. And God is the one who justifies. He does it all. Now, we don't do that. So we split those things. So when you commit a crime, or when, I commit, no, when I commit a crime, when I commit a crime, mm-hmm. then there is a judge, and then there is somebody who gives me the punishment for that. And they're different people. It's not that the judge says, um, I'm going to make you shovel snow for the next year. And here's a shovel, and I'm going to look and see how you do. There's different people. And then I'm going to sign off on that as well. But God does all three things. He's the one that says, Here is the measure of righteousness. You fall below it, but I can make you just. I'm the justifier. So he's and unjust and the justifier of the one who has faith. Jesus. So faith in verse 25, faith in verse 26, and faith in verse 22. So 22, 24, 26. So faith is believe in 22. So to believe is the act. Faith is what you get, the faith that you have. Uh, Believe is what you do there. That seems to be a key word in this passage. How do I get saved? By faith. How do I get righteous? By faith. How do I get righteous in right standing with God? So, if you want to take home a lesson from this, if you doubt whether you are righteous, whether you are in right standing with God, whether your sins are are truly dealt with not just covered up by blood but truly dealt with because they're covered up by the blood of the Lord Jesus do you believe and if you can say yes then with these words you can chase away all doubts that's the power of God's word if you have believed if you have faith if you believe your sins Your past, your present, your sinful self, your present, and your future are all dealt with. And that's why it's so important, because that Paul looks back at the sins that have been committed in the past, dealt with. The sins that you committed in the present, look at the Lord Jesus in the present. Now, if you say, well, what about tomorrow? Because I'm still a sinner tomorrow. Well, guess what? Tomorrow is the new today. Is the new present? Are these verses still valid tomorrow? Yeah, there's no expiration date here. It's not these verses are valid until what is it? Best before date. Just before the best <laughs> yeah. before date. They don't expire. They don't expire. Yeah. Praise God! They don't expire. Yeah. Okay. Verse twenty-seven. Verse 27 to 30, sir, would you like to read those verses, please? Yeah. Thank you. He's changing topics here. So here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a line. He's changing, changing gears a little bit, changing topics a little bit. So before we start talking about 27 and on, um, are there any questions about the verses that we read so far? So if you come to the altar and if you come to the mercy seat, two places where blood has been sprinkled, and you see uh, the, um, the, the mercy seat was only once a year. So through the ages that that has been done, and it's been done for ages, you saw the blood of the past. And so when the high priest would come in and he would see all the years before him of the blood that was, was sprinkled, I, I think if it was a good high priest that the weight of the sins of the people, because you see the marks of the blood of all the years before, he thinks, wow, we are sinful people. Blood is needed to cover, to cover these sins. Now, for the, for the altar, there might have been some cleaning because the amount of blood that was being spilled was a lot of, of, uh, of blood. But yes, it was a bloody affair. Uh, it was a messy, messy affair. Yeah, but
2: then just that once
0: Christ came... It stopped. The yeah. Well, but by then it's not the well uh, shor- shortly after that, the, the temple ceased to exist. Anyway, and
1: um,
0: no, and it's not, it's, not, it's not even it's not even and it's not even clear whether in the time of the Lord Jesus the Ark of the Covenant was there. Um, there's no mention of that in the. the. But if you think about it, you think about yeah, um, sinning is not cheap. Somebody has to die, an animal has to die. Sinning for us is not cheap because the Lord Jesus had to die for that. And we don't have any animal sacrifices. So we really only have the Lord Jesus uh, there. So even if we wanted to come with animals, which you don't have to say out loud because then uh, a lot of people get upset here, Uh, sacrifice animals, what are you? But it's a bloody affair. Verse 27 might be a bit of a weird question. Where then is boasting? What is boasting? What is boasting? Showing off. Bragging. Yeah. It's very clear if people boast. Eh. So I don't know when the last time your favorite sports team won. But then there is this interesting thing that uh, even if you're not on the team, if you're, even if you're just a supporter, <laughs> like you're boasting. We won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won. That is the idea. Which is funny because you didn't do a thing. You were just sitting in the bleachers or in the, in the, in the stands. You, I mean, you were there, but you didn't do a thing it was not you who scored the home run or the last 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 goal you were just watching and then there's all these people just because i'm i'm, I'm putting on a jersey and because i'm honking in my car this is my team that's what they say yeah what maybe, maybe what you say i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> offend anybody here is what you say unless they lose then it is we won and they lost yeah do you do that here as well in my home country, we do that. So if the national team loses, oh, they lost. But if we won, then we won. If they won, then we won. That's, that's, uh. So it's a public display. But more importantly, it's a public display of something you did not do. So the same as your sports team. You identify yourself with your sports team. This is my team. I won. And so in this way, Paul is saying, well, whose team are you on? Are you on, with all respect, team Jesus? Are you saying we won? Paul says, no, you can't do that. Where then is the boasting? Yeah, you can't really brag about this. By what kind of law? So it might be tricky. What kind of law? It's not so tricky. Can you claim... The victory of Jesus. Does God owe you his redemption, his righteousness, his victory? Is there anything that says, I can claim his work and his righteousness? No. It's a gift gift by faith. So in faith I can accept it, because it's been given to me. I can never snatch it out of God's hand and say, this belongs to me. I owe this. With the sacrifices, you could do that, in some some sense. It's a bit weird, but with the sacrifices and the law, you could do that, because you say, here is the standard of what I need to do to get righteous, so if I do that, I'm righteous. Look at me. I'm doing this. Now, it's not the spirit of the law, because the spirit of the law makes you humble, because you are, cannot at all do that. But in principle, it's almost like a contract. You do this, you get this. But with the salvation in Jesus Christ, it doesn't work that way. It's not you do this, you get this. It is, you can have it. Well, that means that you need to come and accept it. It's a very different principle, dear. By a law of faith. So there is the... There is a principle of faith that if you come in faith, you can accept it. So that's the law of faith. But it's not that God says, if you do this, you will be righteous. So by coming in faith, you may accept this and it becomes yours. Now why 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 is there no boasting there? Well, how do you come to the Lord Jesus in faith? Well, you come and say, I'm a sinner. I come empty-handed, I need your grace. Well, that is not really I won. That is, I really lost. I really need a savior there. And he continues in verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified and a woman. When Paul writes about men, he also writes writes about women. eh? Everybody. The man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And so he says, by a law of faith, and then he's going to contrast that, and he's going to continue that in chapter 4. So you may make a a little note here. He's going to put the law of faith and the law of works. The works of the law, excuse me. Works of the law. He says, there's no boasting. You come as a sinner. You come empty-handed. You receive this free gift of grace. And that's the principle. That is how you get saved. In verse 29, it becomes clear why he does that. Why is the law in here? Well, he's still talking about Jews and Gentiles. And he's going to knit it all together. He's going to bring it all together. Everybody has sinned, Jew and Gentile. Nobody is righteous, Jew nor Gentile. Everybody will be saved by faith. Jew and Gentile. So he needs to still work on that part. So this part: everybody's sinned, we cover that. Nobody's righteous, we cover that. Now we need to work on how does everybody get righteous? How does everybody get saved there? So he still needs to push on there. God is the God of the Jews, He's also the God of the Gentiles. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. So both Jew, circumcised. Gentile, uncircumcised. Everybody will be saved, justified. So put in the right place by faith. First word 31. Would you like to read
2: 31?
0: Yeah. What do you think it means? What do you think that verse means? So do we need to keep the law? Is that what you were saying? I think so. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an... because that's not what the verse says in, in here. Okay. There, there are other verses that, that are that are point in that direction here. Okay. So th- 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 thank you because this helps to. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a different matter. But what what Paul? Let, let's first see what Paul is trying to do to do here. Do we nullify then the law through faith? And so, again, where he comes from is that there's these sins that have been committed in the past. And then there was the people of God that had gotten, received the law. We write it in chapter 2. They had received the law as a standard of righteousness. And then Paul says he concludes there, he said, "But nobody did the law, nobody is righteous. Nobody became righteous through the law." And then at the beginning of uh, uh, t- 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 uh, verse 21, verse 21, but now apart from the law, is the, righteous, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Witnessed by the Law and the Prophets, as written in the Law and the Prophets, or as hinted at them. So we have, a. This is, this, is, this is difficult. So we have the Law, and nobody could be saved by the Law. And then in, in 21 he says, but now there is an escape. Apart from the Law, there's righteousness. And then he writes a bit about those righteousness in the verses that we did last week and this week about how this righteousness from God, how we, can become, how we can become righteous? Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from the law, the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood. Not through the law, his blood, his righteousness. And now he needs to bring it back. So what do we do with the law? Do we nullify the law? Was the law empty nullify. so null is a zero do we nullify do we zero out the law that's there that's a a different question than what you raised of do we still need to keep the law or the question that i raised there do we still i I raised the question (gasps) i'm sorry do we still do we still need to keep the law uh that's that's a different issue the question here is can you still can you become righteous through the law is that is that still a route that is open and Paul says, well, we're not going to nullify the law uh, in there, but he needs to work it out. And that's what's going to happen in chapter 4 and chapter 5. What is the proper place of the law in this plan of God to make people righteous? There. He says, never be. We establish the law. And in Romans and in Galatians, he talks about the law and what the law it does. And you can ask very good questions about it. Of if God gives the law, is it possible to become righteous through the law? Or did God set a standard that was too high for us to Did God set us up there? That God that God's standard was too high that we never could attain it. Those are all questions that you can ask there. Not not not, not here, but those are questions that you can think about. What is the relationship between the law? and righteousness and maybe for us what do we need to do do we need to keep the law and if so what what purpose would that bring us there what is the law for us there so those are questions moving forward that you can think about what does Paul write here about the law but one thing is clear we're going to conclude with that one thing is clear if you want to sum up this passage it is really is in verse 21 Outside of the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. So, an escape, if you wish. But then he's quick to add in verse 21, and he says, But in the law and in the prophets, there are already hints to that. God is putting hints in the law to what is coming. There. Oh, that is interesting. I've never seen those. Well, you can think about that in the coming week for yourself. Uh, There apart from the law, by faith. Because faith was the key word in this passage. By faith, by believing, through faith, we get this righteousness of God. Does that make God unrighteous? Absolutely not. God is just and the justifier. So we have God is in right standing, and we can become in right standing. Wow. That is quite something to think about. Before we conclude, any questions about the passage that we yeah. did this help a bit? If you dare, if you if you dare, what, what is the one thing that you thought was that jumped at you in this, in this passage? We can we can do a couple. Yeah, we can do a couple of people. What is the one thing that you when reading these from twenty-one to thirty-one that you thought yeah, that is combined as an all clearly
1: state how serious is sin and how God is such a yeah. righteous God. He has his standard, it's nothing, it's not the law is actually pointing in that way that he is
2: who he is. He's not going to compromise his character, he is himself.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you Alice, that's a very important point actually. Because the word love is not in here. For God so loved the world is not, not in here, it's not in verse two, chapter 2, it's not in verse 1. So up to now we haven't read anything about God's love. It's important for two reasons. The first one is it's coming, because in chapter 5 he's going to write about God demonstrated his love towards us while we were sinners. And that's in chapter 5, it's it's to come yet. The other thing is, uh, the other reason why this is important is that this is a, uh, it's set up as a legal argument. There's no love in the law. There's no love in legal arguments. If you go to a courtroom, that's the last Romantic place that you think of. Nobody thinks I'm going to take you to a date and to a courtroom. I'm going to see justice there. Unless you marry two lawyers. But uh, otherwise, nobody thinks that is, that, is, that is romantic or so. That is a place where love is being done. Under the surface. Because righteousness and justification are forms of love, but not typically what we associate with love. But it's almost Paul is writing this up as a legal argument. We don't read anything about the motivation of God. We don't read anything about God's love in here. It's there. And it will be coming. But right now, we are set in the right place because that's what God chose to do. Anybody else would jump at you? Or... If somebody asks you in an hour, what did you learn in Sunday school? What did you learn? (laughs) What did you learn? Thank you. And that's, that's important. We, we have this inclination to bring God to our level. And here it's very clear. God is just. Don't even try. God is righteous. Don't you dare. Don't you dare make him like you. No. Anybody here? Any. Thank you very much. Well why don't we conclude? And then we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you demonstrated your righteousness, that you demonstrated the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, and that you de- displayed him publicly as a propitiation, as, as a means of salvation, as a mercy seat, as a place to which we can come, and we can see that our sins have been forgiven, have been covered, have been dealt with. And that because of the Lord Jesus that we are righteous. And not a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness that is in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he lived a perfect life. We thank you that he kept the law on our behalf. And we pray that we will love him more and serve him more. And we praise you and we worship your name.